by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. I believe it's going to be the difference maker in this community of believers. And ultimately, in every life here, prayer is going to be the difference maker in your walk with God. Amen. How it goes, how far it goes, how deep it goes, how wide it is, um, the impact that you have, the impact that the Lord is able to have in your life is going to be heavily dependent upon prayer. You know, in our, in our course, as I mentioned, 201 Saturday coming up this Saturday, we have salvation, baptism, then prayer, um, discipleship and ministry and prayers right in the middle of all of our courses because it's the middle of everything that I think God is doing right you can be saved without lo knowing how to pray that's why you learn these things when you come into the church you can be baptized and say Lord I want to give you everything in all of my life uh, but I don't think you can go much further than that without learning to pray Amen. without entering into to a, a lifestyle of prayer some things I want to share with you first there's intimacy in prayer and there's power in prayer, and there are mysteries in prayer. So when I say intimacy, that means that there's a relationship that you can have with God because of prayer and through prayer that is very intimate, very close, and you can't get it any other way. You can't substitute it. You know, Mary used to tell me, um, you know, when she really started to read her word, that there's no substitute. As a worship leader, she wanted to substitute reading the word with singing. You know, some of us that like to do evangelism, we want to substitute reading our word with going out and talking to people about Jesus. We want to substitute reading our word by going to church. Hey, I go every, I go every Sunday and I hear the word preached. I don't have to read. No, there's no substitute for reading the word. And likewise, there's no substitute for prayer. You cannot be in relationship without God without talking to God. Amen. If you want to be in relationship with God, you have to commune with him. You have to have intimacy. You have to talk to him. You have to learn to pray. You have to learn to listen in prayer and speak in prayer. When I say that there's power, literally like the song said, walls break down, miracles begin to happen because of prayer, because of getting the mind of God, talking to God, hearing from God, getting direction from God. You know, you might not seem, it might not seem like much, but again, a 10-year-old who says that God's talking to her in the shower, there's so many people sitting in churches who will tell you they've never heard from God. Learn to pray. There's power in prayer. And then I say that there's mysteries in prayer. Nobody has it all figured out. <laughs> you, can, you can go through our courses and come to the meeting and come to the prayer events that we have, but we're not going to be able to teach you everything about prayer because it's a mystery. How is it that God from heaven can talk to us? How is it that God can come and live inside of you? How is it that God can put heart, uh, thoughts in your heart and thoughts on your mind? I don't have any idea how he does that. It's a mystery, but I'm so glad that he does. Amen. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is special. So with all that said, we're not going to be looking at the nuts and bolts of prayer this morning, how people prayed <laughs> and 
uh, what their systems were or, or what words that they actually said. What I want to look at this morning is how prayer was integrated into their lives and how it was key to what God was doing. Does that make sense? Man, I want you to be with me this morning. Does it make sense that we're not going to look at nuts and bolts? I'm not going to give you 10 points on how to pray. What I'm going to show you this morning is how prayer was integrated into their lives and how because of prayer, the other things that were happening were, were dependent upon prayer. We like to read the Bible and look at God did this, God did that. Well, how did he do, do it? He did it through prayer. I want to start by reading something I wrote. Hopefully this will help you this morning. I want you to keep it in mind as we go forward. Here's what it says. Why prayer? In order that we might know the mind and heart of God. Like a child who's asking for things and asking questions about where their parents are taking them, the longer they talk and the more questions they ask and the more clues they get from their parents, the more they begin to understand where they're going and what to expect. The trip may have started with a request for ice cream and an inquiry about when they will get back home. But as they drive past familiar city after familiar city, and then they hear that they will have something better than just a scoop of ice cream, their hopes begin to rise. As they begin to see signs that say, welcome to Anaheim, and exit Disney Way, the original desires and requests and longing to be back home as soon as possible have been replaced with overwhelming joy and anticipation. The desire to express love and gratitude for the parents has also skyrocketed through the roof. For the child of God, this is the promise of the life of prayer offered to us. We who struggle to see even days ahead, we come to the one who knows the end from the beginning and the one who has unwavering plans for good for us. Daily we ask for things and express desires, but if we listen to his clues and watch our surroundings to see where it is he's actually taking us, we too will always find ourselves overwhelmed with joy and anticipation. Our desire to express love and gratitude to our Heavenly Father will also skyrocket through the roof. We will become children of God that even rejoice when he says, we aren't going to be going anywhere for a while. Knowing that even home with our Heavenly Father is an amazing place to be. Amen. Prayer is no chore. It is to hold hands with God, to feel his pulse and his heartbeat in your hand as he leads you through life. Let's pray. Lord, we came to seek you this morning. We came to be in your presence. We came to hear from you, Lord. We came to worship and sing unto you. We came to give you honor and glory which you deserve. Our desire, Lord, is that we, as we pursue you, Lord, we would find you. Your word says that if, you, if we seek you, we will find you. That if we knock, it will be opened unto us, Lord. In the air of prayer this morning, I pray that you would teach us how to talk to you. That you would teach us how to listen to you, Lord God. That on this journey that each of us are on as an individual, Lord God, that we would begin to open our eyes and see the landmarks along the side of the road, Lord. That we might be able to uh, anticipate where it is you're taking us, Lord God. That we would be able to rejoice. You have a purpose for our lives. You have a destiny for our lives, Lord. You have a plan, Lord. You are very, very intentional about what it is that you've set aside for us, Lord God. I pray that our desires and our requests, Lord, would not rule and reign in our lives, Lord. That we would openly come to you and let you know what it is we desire. That we would make our requests known to you, Lord God. But our expectation would always be that you might have something better for us, Lord God. 
take us wherever it is that you desire to take us this morning in the time that we have here in this building, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would not sacrifice your destination for our own. We open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you, Lord God, and we open up our mouths, and we believe that miracles will be breaking out. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to be in the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 16. You won't have to go far. I'm going to keep you there this morning. Mm. So a praying community. If you were to describe your church, would you say that you're a praying community? Are we loving? Are we fun? Are we happy? Are we engaged? Are we growing? Are we seeking the Lord? I think we're a lot of things, but I would love to be known as a praying community, a group of people who pray. So this is Acts chapter 16. We had a missional community, we had missional fathers, and now a praying community. Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Then he came, speaking of Paul, to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there. Say disciple. disciple. Named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that Timothy's father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Stop there for just a minute at at verse 5. So Paul... Uh, is being missional. We saw this last week, right? He's, he's saved. He's on fire for God. He's going all these places, doing all these things. And he gets to this particular area and he, he meets Timothy and he says, I want to be in a discipleship relationship with you. I want to be a spiritual father to you. You are going to be coming with me. Timothy uh, is going to be missional because Paul is missional. He's going to be discipled to be missional because that's who Paul is. They're going to city, from city to city, and they're delivering the decrees that they heard from Jerusalem. So even Paul, uh, we're in Acts chapter 16. If you get a chance, read Acts chapter 15. Paul comes to Jerusalem, and, he, and, and they're talking. He says, why are we preaching certain things and teaching certain things? As a council of leaders and elders, they come together, make a decision. Paul goes back out, and he says, I still have a head and authority over me. I'm still part of something that's bigger than me as an individual. And Paul and Timothy are going out preaching these decrees that came from that Jerusalem council. Timothy had an earthly Greek father, and apparently he didn't believe. In another place in Scripture, it says that Timothy's mother and grandmother were full of the Spirit, and that same Spirit was upon Timothy, right? So Paul has him circumcised, and Timothy says, listen, my circumcision is about everybody needs to know that I am a follower of God. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't want there to be any confusion. I am following Paul, who is my spiritual father, the one who is discipling me, my Greek father. It's not about being Greek. It's about being an unbeliever. He's saying, I'm separated from that. That's not leading my life. This is the direction that I'm going, and everybody needs to know it. How many of us would be able to say that we have been circumcised, (laughs) that we have made it clear who it is that we are, who it is that we're following, what direction it is that we're going? That's the relationship, uh, as we look at prayer this morning, that Paul and Timothy have entered into. In 2 Corinthians 8, 5, Paul says this, Not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Discipleship 
Spiritual fatherhood, spiritual motherhood is about giving yourself to someone and allowing them to be an authority in your life. I was talking to one of the people about the life groups last week before the, the life groups got started. He said, what is spiritual fatherhood about? What is spiritual motherhood about? And I sent them to some scriptures. I wasn't going to tell them. I was going to say, find it in the scriptures. But this morning, I want to tell you that this is what it's about. Paul and Timothy have entered into this relationship. And Paul says, look, they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us by the will of God. We belong to Jesus Christ first, but then I have given authority over in my life to another man or to another woman to be a father figure, a spiritual father, a discipler, a spiritual mother, a discipler in my life. That's the foundation that everything we're going to talk about in this prayer section today kind of comes from. This weekend, I took some of my disciples to a prayer meeting. We met with some other men from some other churches. There was about 50 of us praying together, um, and it was powerful. The, the, the men that came with me, you know, they're going to be givers. <laughs> they're going to be prayers. They're going to be missional. They're going to focus inwardly like we focus here at the church, but they're also going to focus outwardly because there's other people who are not saved out there in the world that are going to die if we don't tell them about Jesus and help them walk with Jesus. And why are they going to be like that? Because that's how I am. And they're my disciples. If you want somebody else to disciple you, let somebody else disciple you, and you'll be like them. <laughs> I can't make you. I can't help you. I can't lead you to be anything other than what it is that God has led me to be. We all have different callings, and it's going to look differently, but it's going to have that same core. We're not going to be men that don't pray. We're not going to be men that don't show up to prayer meetings. We're not going to be men that don't show up to church. We're not going to be men who don't read our Bibles. We're not going to be men that don't lead our wives and our children because that's who I am. That's what I'm going to help other men to become. Paul says, look, Timothy, there's a bunch of people out here you can follow anyone you want, but if you follow me, you're going to go all over the world. And we're going to get beat. <laughs> we're going to get bruised. We're going to get stoned. You want to go with your Greek daddy or you want to come with me? It's rough this morning, isn't it? I just want a little bit. I just want you to know what we're talking about. So when you lift your voice and shout, when you begin to pray, we're not crying babies. We're grown folks. All right. So that's the foundation of the story. Let me read through the rest of the chapter so you, we'll get into this prayer stuff now. Uh, now when they had gone through Phrygia, who are we talking about? Paul and Timothy. They're going all these places. Paul with, or Timothy with his missional father. They're on a missionary trip going all over. They had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, just like he appeared to Naomi in the shower. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Somathras. And the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out to the, of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. Say prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, 
If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened as we went to prayer, say prayer. prayer. Say prayer. prayer. That a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, uh, to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, the jailer put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Say pray. pray. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. When I open up my mouth, <laughs> the walls begin to crash down. Verse 27, the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Then he called for a light ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent officers, saying, Let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They've beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No. Indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. <laughs> and the officers told these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. What a story, eh, man? amen? That's just one chapter. You guys got to read this book. <laughs> got to read this thing. So the area of prayer, I have a few points that I want to share with you guys. Number one, desires and doors. If you're taking notes, desires and doors. 
desires and doors. Prayer is a lot about desires and doors. In the beginning of this chapter, when Paul and Timothy are setting out and they're going to all these places, verse 6 says, they went through Phrygia, Galatia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They came to Mysia and they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul at night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia. Help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul and Timothy desired to go to Asia, and they desired to go to Bithynia. But listen to what verse 6 said. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit, and verse 7 says the Spirit did not permit them. See, when we pray and we ask God for things, we need to listen and feel for confirmation or redirection. They said, we want to go to Asia. We want to do it for God. We're going to go and preach. We're going to be missionaries. We're going to do amazing things. Let's go to Bithynia. I can't believe these people have never heard. What might God use us for? That was their desire, and it was a good desire. Many of us have desires, and they're good desires. When we pray, we say, Lord, bless me in this area. Let me do this. Let me do that. Do this for me and my kids. Give me a better job. All these things, we have desires, and we bring them to the Lord. But how many of us have gotten to a point where we can listen and we can feel when God says no. Amen. They're praying, but they're also listening. Desires versus doors. If we don't feel the Lord's hand upon something that we're praying about, we need to stop and we need to ask for a redirection. I can't tell, me, tell you guys how many times I've prayed for something and then like a hard-headed child, I just keep praying for it and keep praying for it and keep praying for it. In reality, God is saying no. How many of you have been praying for something and praying for something for, for weeks, months, years, decades, and it's not happening? Is there a chance that maybe God's saying no? And is there a chance that maybe there's another door that's wide open that you just refuse to walk through? Don't get me wrong, there's times when the enemy is trying to stop you from doing something God wants you to do, right? God says, here's where you need to go. I heard your prayer, let's do it. And the enemy fights against it. We have to push through that. Fight back, go do what God told you to do. But there's other times where it's not the enemy, it's God saying no. Ask for redirection. We have to be people who pray enough to know the difference. Do you know the difference between the enemy trying to stop you and God saying no? God gives them a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And their desires have to be replaced with a door and a choice that they have to make now, right? You have a desire, but then God gives you a door. And then you have a choice that you have to make. Do you keep fighting for your desire or do you walk through the door? Do they say, no, that's not what we want to do. Or do they change their plans and change their desires? Verse 10, after they had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I don't see any problem with praying for your desires. If there's something you want, pray about it. But when God shows you another door, will you be like Paul? Will you be like Timothy and say, immediately we fixed our eyes on Macedonia. We wanted Asia. We wanted Bithynia. We wanted this boyfriend. We wanted this girlfriend. We wanted this career. We wanted this job, whatever it is. But God opened another door, so forget that. I'm going with what God has for me. Amen. 
I have new desires, I have new plans, I have new direction. I didn't plan to be a pastor, I didn't plan to lead a church, I didn't plan to have to plan vacations around what we were doing here for the rest of my life. I wanted to be an NFL superstar and have a lot of money and just do whatever I wanted to do with my life. But that's not the door God opened. He shut that one, clearly. <laughs> and I could mope around and be depressed and be sad, or I can say, you know what? I'm going to go through the door that you opened, Lord. And you know what happened to me? I realized that what I wanted was a scoop of ice cream. And what I got on this road is the doors of Disneyland opened up. There's more ice cream than I could ever eat. There's more fun than I could ever have. There's more experiences than I could have ever imagined. Why? Because my desires got replaced by walking through the doors that God has opened. And now I have new desires. Desires and doors in your prayer life. Number two, I want to talk about Lydia. Verse 13 says, On the Sabbath day they went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. She worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken of by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, if, we've, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. This is about having a custom of prayer. Do you have a custom of prayer? Something that, like, you do it every day, you do it every week, you do it every month. You're accustomed to it. It's part of your life. It's part of your rhythms. It's part of how you live. You couldn't live without it. Do you have different prayer times, prayer styles, prayer, prayers that you go to, prayers of scripture? This week, I was talking to one of the men who was struggling, and I know it was God because I was struggling with a little bit of uh, anxiety, feeling a little bit anxious about <clears throat> some things. And he reached out to me, and we were talking about having the same feelings. And I said, listen, uh, when that happens to me, I pray in the spirit. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, listen, when I'm feeling anxious about something or I'm frustrated about something or I'm angry about something, it's not helpful for me to pray with understanding because all I'm doing is getting more mad about the situation and I'm getting more anxious because I'm focusing all my attention. Let's say if I'm, if I'm talking about work. If I sit down and pray about work and about the boss and about the money and about all this stuff, I'm not actually feeling better. I'm more anxious and more frustrated with the situation. I said, what I'll do is I'll begin to pray in the spirit because I'm not focused on that, but I am engaging God and I am feeling God's presence and he is ministering to me. That's, that's something that I am accustomed to doing. When there's a situation that I know I need to pray about, but I might not want to pray about it, I pray in the spirit. Amen. Do you, have you developed Ways of praying, a custom of praying, a time of praying. When is it the most effective time for you to hear from the Lord? Is it in the shower? Is it in the middle of the night? I haven't been able to sleep since we got back from Africa. I've been waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning since we got back from South Africa. And the first thought is, man, I need some rest. And you're trying to figure out how to get back to sleep. And then I realized, you know what, Lord? You must be wanting to talk to me, and you must feel like this is the best time to do it. So now I'm reading when I wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, or I'm praying when I wake up at that time. New customs. Lydia is just doing her customarily, customary prayer. That's all she's doing. Question I have for you is, why is it that the prayer meetings are usually filled with women? Paul and Timothy come into the city. They're ready to go pray. They show up to the prayer meeting by the side of the river and there's nothing but women. 2,000 years later, 
I come in on a Friday night to the prayer meeting and there's nothing but women. Where are the men? Where are the fathers? Where are the young men? They're not showing up to the prayer meeting. It's the women who are here and they're crying out to God and there's tears and they're standing in the gap and they're praying for their kids. So sick of it. I want to encourage the women, keep doing it. Don't stop. It's something special that God's given you. Do it. For the men, wake up. Wake up and pray. Don't just pray on your own time. Show up to the customary prayer times that have been set aside by God in your church. This Friday night, there's a time of prayer that's set aside. Just like Lydia went down on the Sabbath day to the side of the river, and that's where Paul met her. We meet here on the last Friday night. We meet here on the second Sunday. Show up and expect God to do something. And not just the women, the men. I don't care what you have to sacrifice, what you have to counsel, what game you have to miss. Pray. Or find somebody else who will tell you you don't need to do that and don't sacrifice anything and stay comfortable. Look at what happened to this woman. It says that she worshiped God, said that she, had an, she was accustomed to praying at a particular time and in a particular space. And what happened because of that? First, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Think about that for a second. How many of you, if you were already serving God, you were already a businesswoman, you already led a prayer meeting at the side of a river every Sabbath, right? You're good, you're golden, you're doing better than everybody. But what does it say about Lydia? Because she was praying, she was in a position to heed the word spoken by Paul. Paul came with something more and something different, and she was ready to receive it. That's the first thing that happened to her. She was open and ready to receive the word and heed it. What heed it means is you have to actually be obedient and listen to what he's talking to you about. Hey, Lydia, let me tell you about Jesus. You've been serving the God of heaven. He has a son and his name is Jesus. He died for your sins. You have to put all of your faith in him now and you need to begin to proclaim his name as the only way to be saved. And she heeded that and she was saved. The second thing that happened is her whole household was saved and baptized. Amen. Think about that for a second. This wasn't a long experience. <laughs> Already serving God, hears about Jesus, heeds the word of Paul, right? Then she goes home and her whole family hears that word and gets baptized as a family with the community of believers. She went from just having a prayer group and now she has a life group in her home, <laughs> right? She's like, the whole family's saved, the whole family's baptized. Paul, Timothy, come stay with us. We're never going to change this. We're part of a new community and a new family now. Prayer. All that starts because she was accustomed to prayer. God wanted to take her further. Next thing in this chapter I see, possession, truth, deliverance, and profit. Possession, truth, deliverance, and profit. Verse 16, it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. She brought her masters much profit by fortune telling and the girl followed Paul and us, cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So the first thing is possession. 
as they were going to prayer, they met a girl who was possessed. Isn't that interesting? Why? <clears throat> Why didn't others know that she was possessed? Why weren't others used to maybe impact her life? It's these men who are praying and going to a prayer meeting that are open to this spiritual realm that God can use in the spiritual realm. What does it say, Ephesians 6:12? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness in this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Many of us can't be used in the spiritual realm because we're not spiritual. We're not engaging God in the spiritual realm. We're not praying and getting information from heaven, getting direction from heaven, making our requests made known in heaven. This girl is possessed with a demon. What are you going to do? <laughs> Last Tuesday, the men went out and they told us that they went to have a prayer meeting, a men's fellowship, a men's Bible study, and who met them? A possessed man. And how many of our men are possessed by the Spirit of God and in constant prayerful communication and knew exactly what to do, exactly what to say, and exactly how to say it. That's what the Scripture says happened here with Paul, with Silas, with Timothy. She's possessed. Possession and truth, though. Verse 17, the girl followed them and cried out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Is that true? Are they servants of the Most High God? Yes or no? Yes. Are they proclaiming the way of truth and salvation? Yes or no? Yes. It's the truth. So then what's the problem? Truth alone is not enough. The truth has to be spoken from those who are filled with the spirit of God, not just a spirit of divination or any other spirit. Have you ever wondered why some people share the word of God, they share scripture, they post scripture, they invite people to church and nothing ever happens because truth is not enough. Thank you that you're sharing the truth. But if you're not filled with the spirit of God and sharing that truth, nothing is going to happen. Paul and, and Silas and Timothy, they have an entourage. <laughs> this girl is walking behind them and just shouting to everybody the truth, and they can't stand it. We don't need people just trumpeting things. We need people filled with the Spirit of God actually sharing the truth in a way that will have impact in people's lives. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, You believe that there's one God, you do well, but even the demons believe and tremble. We don't care if you believe that there's one God. Everybody knows there's one God, whether they want to serve him or not. The demons know it, and they could shout it and trumpet it if they wanted to. The truth. Deliverance and profit. This girl is delivered. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out that very hour. I love that she was delivered from spiritualism and divination. We need some people to get delivered from spiritualism and from religiousness. She's running around being like, it's kind of like super Christian. These guys are awesome. The word is awesome. He's the best preacher. He's telling you about Jesus. Just so religious. That's what she got delivered from. Paul said, shut up and come out of her. You're not helping anybody and you're possessing her. She got delivered from a spirit of spiritualism. Stop being so spiritual and spewing things. Even if it's true, get filled with the Holy Spirit. In a minute, she was delivered. 
She had a gift that God gave her to be able to recognize things in the spiritual realm, hear things in the spiritual realm, but because she wasn't using it really for God and the enemy was using it and perverting it and using it for his own profit, she had to be delivered from that. It says, when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul, they seized Silas, they dragged him into the marketplace and authority. When you get set free, when you get delivered, your old friends, your old family, everybody, they're not excited for you. Why? Because there's nothing else that they can profit from for you anymore. I used to be the connect. I used to be the hookup. I used to be the one to make all the calls. I used to be the one to drive to all the parties. I used to be the one to get us into everything, right? And then when I got saved, nobody's happy for me. There's no more profit for them. <coughs> the only people who are happy for me are all these weird new Christians I got to hang out with in the church, hugging on me and inviting me to stuff and tell me I need to get baptized. They're the only ones excited. All my old friends, all of a sudden, they're not picking up the phones anymore. Why? Even if they realize, I was the same way. Most of us don't realize what we're doing, but we're profiting off of our friends. We're profiting off of our family. Just like these men are like, hey, we got a girl. She, she operates in the spiritual realm. Let's take her and let her be a fortune teller. Come see her tarot, tarot card reading, palm reading. Come see her. She has all this wisdom. She'll tell you what your future is. And then these men of God come and deliver her from that spirit. And they're like, look, our cash cow is gone. And they throw them in prison because of it. So important to understand possession, truth, deliverance, profit. Who's profiting from you? I think that's a good question to ask, especially those who are considering discipleship and considering really pressing in in certain areas of your, <laughs> of your walk with God. Ask yourself, what does it profit that person who wants to help you and lead you? Yeah. It could be a situation like this where they're like, oh, she's got a gift. I want to profit from it. I want to use it for my, for my increase. But it could be something different. Number four, praying from prison. Praying from prison. How many of you have ever felt like in some area of your life, like you've been a prisoner? You felt like you can't escape from something. You felt like it's not getting better. You felt like you're trapped. Anybody? Somebody say amen. amen. How many of you have become men and women who are great at praying from prison? Verse 20, they brought them to the magistrates. After they deliver this girl, when you're used to deliver people, please expect that, that somebody's going to try to imprison you and keep you from doing that, okay? So they're brought to the magistrates. They said, these men are Jews. They troubled our city. They teach customs that are not lawful for us. The multitude rose up against them, tore their clothes, commanded them to be beaten, laid stripes on them, threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received that charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your family, your whole household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. They took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he, he and all his family were baptized. 
Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So the first part of this, praying from prison. Prisoners listen to prayer. Prisoners listen to prayer. It says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Think about that for a second. What would you picture? Pick any prison, pick any jail. <laughs> and you've got these two guys in a cell praying and singing worship songs. What do you expect the rest of that prison to be doing? Clapping along? Our expectation is that they're going to be making fun of them, that they're going to be shouting at them, that they're going to be trying to oppress them and beat them up, whatever it's going to be. But that's not really the reality. These prisoners are listening to what they're doing. There's something different about these men. Yeah. Now, here's how we have to apply that to our lives. There are people who are still in the prison that we've been delivered from. They're still in the bondage that you and I have been delivered from. And you know what they'll listen to? They will listen to your prayers and they will listen to your worship. They may not act like they're listening. They may not come running to you and saying, what song is that you're playing on your radio? How did you learn to pray like that? That might not be happening, but I guarantee you this, they are listening. So many of us have been inviting those people, those friends, those family, those, those uh, uh, cousins, co-workers. We've been inviting all those people to church, but how many of them have ever heard you pray? How many of them have ever gotten in your car and listened to worship music all the way till you arrived wherever you were going? That's what it says in the scriptures. They were in prison. The other prisoners were listening to them worship and pray. Maybe our friends and family who are still in bondage to the enemy need to hear you pray. Most of us won't even say grace. And I don't think that's what they were talking about. I don't think the food came around and Paul and Silas said, oh, thank you, God, for this meal tonight. And that's what set everybody free. I think they were praying about all kinds of stuff without being ashamed. It says that the earth quaked and people were set free because of the prayers and the worship of these two men. <clears throat> the song this morning said, when I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority Jesus has given me. Think about that for a second. And then think about Paul and Silas in this prison. If they were just silent, do you think anything would have happened? Why is it that God gave us a mouth? Why is it that he wants to hear us? Isn't it enough to just say, just sit quietly in your cell and say, Lord, I just really want you to save all my friends and family. I really want you to help them. I really want them to be delivered, but never open your mouth. Like, he knows my heart, right? Why do I have to say it? <laughs> because when I open up my mouth, something begins to happen. I told you it's mysterious. I can't tell you why, but God wants to hear you. Amen. Imagine if we all walked into church, into a worship service, and nobody opened their mouth. The people on the microphones up here, nobody sings, but in our hearts, we really love Jesus, and we're feeling it, right? <laughs> Doesn't he know the difference? Can't we just come in and we just all sound like this? <laughs> like, doesn't he know my heart? Like, God, I know I didn't say anything, but you know how much I'm feeling you right now. No drums, no, no guitars, nothing. No, that's not how it works. You have to open your mouth. 
You have to pursue him. You have to let, it, let that sound go forth into the world. You have to show up to the prayer meeting. You can't be at home and say, oh, they're at the church praying and I'm part of that community and I just, you know, Lord, just pretend like I'm there. Why not? Because he made us the people that have to go. He made us the people that have to open our mouth. He made us the people that have to actually reach in and give. He made us the people that have to actually read the Bible. Imagine, God, you answer every prayer. I don't ever want to read it, but I want you to just make it part of my mind and my heart. He could do it if he wanted to, but he will not. I love that they were singing and that they were praying and the prisoners were listening to them. And what came of that? Verse 28, Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Think about that for a second. What would it take? What would it take in your life? Let's look at both groups again. Real prisoners who are in jail today, and you and I, that maybe in some area of our life felt like we've been in a prison. What would it take if your shackles came off, your handcuffs came off, the door of the prison goes swinging wide open, right? That issue that you have never been able to get through and get out of and, and get over, right? Literally, the door comes swinging open. What would it take to keep you in your cell? You've been wanting a new job and you get one offered paying you double. You've been wanting a relationship, and all of a sudden, the knight in shining armor is standing at the door with roses. You've been appealing your case over and over and over again, and all of a sudden, they call you and say, here's probation. <laughs> You're going to get released today. What would it take to keep you in the cell? What would it take to close the door on that knight in shining armor? What would it take to turn down that job? I really want you to understand this. Whatever it is that Paul and Silas are praying and whatever song they're singing, the prisoners are unlocked and their doors are swung open. And verse 28, Paul yells to the jailer and says, do yourself no harm. We are all here. Nobody left. Nobody walks out of their cell. What's happening? What, what happened to these people? See, freedom and life are a reality, not a position or a place. Freedom and life are a reality. They're either something you have or they're something you don't have. It has nothing to do with the position or place you find yourself in. Every single prisoner in that place was already set free before their shackles came off. Something had transpired between the Holy Spirit and them in their hearts and in their minds. Something had happened with the prayers that they heard. Something had happened in that worship experience where they said, listen, I know that I may physically be in this Roman prison, but I am free. I have life that I didn't have before this night. I have hope that I didn't have. I don't need what I used to need to be happy anymore. I don't long for what I used to long for to be whole anymore. 
Imagine the prison that, that you were thinking about and being able to honestly say, if I never get out of this situation, I've got life and I've got freedom. I'm not bound by this, I'm not controlled by this. I will not be depressed for the rest of my life because I don't have this or I didn't go there or I didn't uh, get that. And how does all that happen? Through prayer. It doesn't happen through positive thinking. It doesn't happen through, through people just telling you over and over again, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. It happens through prayer and encountering the Spirit of God. Amen. We're all still here. What a move of the Spirit of God. Not one of them ran out. How many of you dream about hitting the lottery? Don't lie right now, you're in church. I'm not going to ask you how many of you would tithe. <laughs> what I'm going to ask you is, how many of you would pretty much never see us again? Right. Like, I'm moving to the east side. <laughs> I don't got time to be in that little warehouse church anymore. You know what I'm trying to get at? Does that make sense to you, what I'm trying to say? Like, like look, or how many of you would say, like, that's my community. And it doesn't matter what I have or what I don't have. It doesn't matter where I could go or, or where I can't go. See, but if you could go anywhere in the world, how many of you would stay here to be with your community? If you could buy anything in the world, if you could have anything in the world, or are we in a prison to what we don't have? These, these people were able to say, look, I could go anywhere, but I'm staying right here in this jail with those two dudes. <laughs> I could go anywhere right now. I'm finally set free. Where do you want to go? Well, right now, this is the best place I've never felt more alive than I feel tonight. I've never experienced anything like this worship that I just experienced. I've never heard anybody talk about God the way that this dude Paul and Silas are talking about God. There's nowhere else I want to go, nowhere else I'd rather be. I'm free and I'm alive. So this jailer is impacted by that. And verse 30 says, he brought him out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, you and your household. Here's a question I have from you, for you. What is it that the jailer needed to be saved from? There's a prayer meeting, the earth is shaking, everybody's getting set free. Paul and Silas are like, hey, we haven't left, we're still here. And the jailer himself comes in and says, how can I be saved? What does he need to be saved from? You think he's asking, hey, how can you guys save me from my Roman authorities who are going to kill me if they know that, I, that you guys got out of your, your cells or you got out of your, your locks? I don't think that's it. What did he need to be saved from? What did he realize that everybody in that jail except for him now had? He needed to be saved from his fear of death. He needed to be saved from being a man who lived by his position and by his title. He needed to be saved from anxiety and worry and depression and expectations. He needed to be saved from all of that. He says, look, I was about to kill myself because I thought I was going to get fired. <laughs> I know people who love their job that much. I know, we know people, and we've heard stories about people who have committed suicide because they got fired. And they were afraid or they didn't think they were going to be able to take care of their wives. They didn't think they were going to take care of their family. Women that didn't think they were going to be able to take care of their kids. People have killed their kids because it's just too overwhelming from them. We need to be saved from so many things. And there's only one way to be saved from those things. Hebrews 2.14 says this. 
about Jesus dying on the cross, that through that death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus dies on the cross, he defeats death, and what does it say? It says that he releases everybody who for their whole life was, was in bondage because of their fear of death. What a picture. It's, it's saying that not just Paul and Silas in this physical prison, but every single person is, is tied up and bound. And Jesus, when he dies on the cross, is the same way that it happened in this prison. He releases everybody because of our fear of death. That's what this jailer is coming. He's saying, I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of, of losing position. I'm afraid of so many things. I need to be saved from it. And what you guys now have, that there's no fear in anybody. Imagine looking in all those prisoners' eyes that he used to probably beat that he used to probably starve, that he used to have authority and control over, and they're looking back at him now and saying, we're still here, but you have no authority in our life anymore. We are not afraid of you. We've been set free. We have life. He's looking in their eyes and he's saying, I want what they have. Amen. And he comes to Paul and Silas, the people who know what it is and how to get it, and he says, what do I got to do? <clears throat> what happens to him in his life, just like Lydia the jailer and his whole family are baptized. I think it's great that uh, this whole chapter, there's so many amazing things happening. And many of you have probably heard the chapter and read portions of these, these stories about these different people. But hopefully this morning you can see that uh, it's all about prayer. Amen. That none of this happens without prayer. None of this happens without showing up. None of this happens without having a real intimate relationship with the Lord in that way. Last verse, and we're going to close, and we're going to actually pray. That's my desire this morning is to pray with you guys. Verse 40 says, they went out of the prison, and where did they go? They entered the house of Lydia, and when they seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. This is like upside-down, backwards world. They get out of prison, they go back to Lydia's house because she's still serving and she still loves the Lord and she's got that life group thing going on. But it says that they encourage them. These are the ones that have been beaten. These are the prisoners. These are the ones that are struggling. They should be going back to get encouraged, but they're going back to give encouragement. Back to Lydia's house. Even though they've suffered, they send out the encouragement. In the church, a lot of times, you know, we do need to care for each other. We do need to mend each other. We do need to help. But those of you who know me, there's a lot of times where maybe you're coming to me and, and hoping that I would be the one to say, like, take it easy, and you've done enough. <laughs> and, you know, praise God, you do need a break. And usually when you, we get connected, I'm like, hey, that's tough, but let's go help somebody else. <laughs> let's go encourage these people that don't know anything about Jesus and and don't know why they're in church and, and don't know anything about baptism. Like, look, you have so much already. Be an encourager. Amen. It's going to be okay. Amen. You're not going to die. And if you do, you're going to be raised to life. <laughs> Prayer. Prayer is the only way for us to become this kind of church, this kind of community. I don't want to be any other kind of church. I don't want to be any other kind of community. I want to be like this. Accustomed to praying, seeing a shift from just women who pray to men who pray. Yes. Expecting miracles to happen, 
people not worrying about where they are physically in life and worried about more where they are spiritually in life with God. This Wednesday, we have an opportunity to come together <clears throat> before uh, we finish this Wednesday nights and getting into our summer kind of programs and what, what, uh, what everyone's going to be doing. And this Friday, we have an opportunity. We have prayer this Friday night. And I hope, uh, I hope that it's filled. I hope that there's application. There's, there's no life group on, on Wednesday night to help you apply the stuff from today. <laughs> you just got to do it on your own for two months. I hope that there's more men here on Friday night than there are women here on Friday night. And I hope that those that I'm discipling uh, will be where I am. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand. <clears throat> Isaiah, would you come? <clears throat> Actually, you know what? I don't need you yet. Go ahead, hang out. Zach, we're going to play that song again in just a second. <laughs> and uh, we're going to listen to it. We're going to pray through it. And, and here's, the, here's the whole altar call. Before, before we do that, simple, simple question first and foremost. Uh, does anybody want to give your life to Jesus this morning? You know, that the word when it says that, that Paul came uh, to Lydia and they were talking during the prayer meeting and it says that she heeded the word that Paul brought, right? And when it says that the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? And it says that he shared the word with him. This is the word. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He's the only way to be saved. You are dead without him. The only way to have life is to take his life upon yourself as he takes your sins upon him. That's it. That's the message. It comes in a bunch of different ways. Uh, but that's the message. And everybody has to make a choice. Either you say, yes, I want Jesus. I'm a sinner and I want to be forgiven. Or no, I'm going to try to work this out on my own. And uh, that doesn't work. So anybody this morning, before we go into a time of prayer, just say, today's my day. I want Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to him. I want to give up my sins. Anybody? Amen? All right. All right. So now, here's, here's the altar call. Uh, just anything in the area of prayer. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to have those who are still here from, from our prayer team. I, I wish Miss Peaches was here, but she's serving as if she's not done enough. She's in the nursery right now. But Miss Mary, who's part of the prayer team, and Miss Sandra, isn't it funny? Our worshipers are our prayer team. Our prayer team is our children's church. We, got, we need more people to rise up. Anyway, <laughs> here's the altar call. Um, if anything ministered to you in the area of prayer, if you know you want to grow in prayer, if you need help in prayer, if you want somebody to pray for you, our prayer team that are here, Mary and, uh, and Sandra, are going to put hands on you guys and, and pray for you. But, but here's, the only, uh, here's the only request. I'm going to play this song. You can listen to it. You can stay in your seat. But when you feel like you are ready to respond to God, you cannot do that from your seat. Just like you can't worship in silence. <laughs> and just like you can't be part of the prayer meeting if you're at home. You have to actually do something, uh, this is where the responders will be here at the altar. Amen. So at any time, the song's 10 minutes long, so you got 10 minutes uh, to respond. But when you feel that, whenever that is, um, I would ask that you would respond. Um, Lydia was down by the side of the river, right? And uh, the jailer was at work. And for us this morning, it's, it's the altar. It's, it's this place here at the front where we would say, that's the place I need to be. So, Zach, you can go ahead and start that. I'm just going to pray over everybody. I'm going to release you. Uh, in addition to the time of prayer, you're welcome to receive communion and, and be released. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for 
the book of Acts. <laughs> we thank you for chapter 16, where we get to have this example of prayer. We get to have this example of uh, how you uh, just integrated prayer into everything that was happening and everything that you were doing in these people's lives, Lord. We thank you for the, the testimonies of Paul and Silas and of Timothy, of Lydia, Lord God, of this jailer and their families and all these miraculous things that you did. But it was because people were pursuing you, talking to you and listening to you, Lord God. I pray that we would continue to be set free. I pray that we would continue to find ourselves uh, just understanding what it means to be saved understanding what it means to have an opportunity to talk to you and to walk with you, Lord God. I pray that we would know the touch of your hand, that we would feel your pulse, that we would feel your heartbeat, Lord, that you would be the one leading and guiding, that we would express our desires to you, Lord God, but we would also have our eyes open for the doors that you've opened for us, Lord. I thank you for um, being a part of a community, God, that you give me a place to call home. You give me a group of people to call family, Lord God, and to grow with. And I just pray that you would just continue to minister to us, that we would fall more and more in love with you, Lord. Those that, that would come to this altar, Lord, I pray that this would be the breaking of some things. Some walls would come down, Lord God, that they would enter into a place with you and begin to walk with you in a way that maybe they haven't before. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Altars are open. You're released. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.